Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Um, thank you. Nice seeing your box, although I'm not seeing your face. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice seeing you again. Nice to see you too, brother. Thank you. Yes. So let's let's open up in prayer. Um, can we have one of the children pray for us? Lisa, I know you. You are purposely moving your eyes away from the screen so that I won't call you. <laughs> interesting. So, Lisa, pray for us. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here today to learn more about your word. Bless Brother George as he teaches us this um, new lesson and um, help us to apply it to our lives and to learn more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And this evening we just want to encourage our hearts again with Part of the teaching Jesus gave his disciples. Um, and it was a long teaching. It actually started from John chapter 14. But we want to look at a section of it in John chapter 15. I'm sure you've read it before, but it's good to explore it again. It's John and chapter 14, 15, 16. It sounds like one whole... One whole yeah. teaching. One whole genius teaching. But we are concentrating, we are going to look at John 15 today, and we are going to read from verse 9. So, we'll go to John chapter 15 from verse 9. Um, I'll read I'll read it, and then we'll just discuss around it. So, the Bible says, now, in verse 9, sorry, As the Father loved me, this Jesus talking, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my command, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could, you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, in me, give. these things I command you, that you love one another. Um, okay, so, I just want to, I just want us to look at this scripture. And, and see what Jesus was saying here. Um, in verse 9, and it's a picture Jesus wants to paint for us. And, you know, as I look at 
Jesus' life again and again and again, I'm discovering one thing that is very clear. That Jesus is trying, not trying, he wants to um, extrapolate the same relationship he has with God with us. If you look at what he said, he said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. The same relationship Jesus is having with the Father. He wants us to have that same relationship with him and with the Father as well. That is why Jesus is our model for life. That is why he is our example for life. Jesus will not tell us to do anything and relate to him in a particular way if he himself has not had that type of relationship with the Father. He said, as my father loved me, I also have loved you. It's glorious to see that our Lord Jesus will not put, tell us to pick up a load. He himself is not carrying that same load himself. It will be hypocrisy at the highest level. If I'm permitted to say that. And so what the Lord is trying to see, you will, as we read through this scripture, you will see it again. And in several other parts of the Gospels, where Jesus' relationship, he wants to mirror that relationship he has with the Father. He wants that relationship to be mirrored in our lives as we relate with him. So, as the Father loved me, oh, I also have loved you. And it's as if Jesus is indirectly saying, I love you the same way my father loves I don't have an option not to love you. I don't have any option but to love you because my father also loves me as a son. And so I don't have an option. This is so reassuring. You know? Because... When the Bible says, look at this scripture that we know very well. John chapter 3 verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. And he loved, God loved the world because he, of course, he created us, human beings in the world. And God's love for us is actually mirrored in the fact that he loves his son. And that is a wonderful love. It's, it's touching to know that God so loved the world. In fact, you know, not until recently, that word so in that verse became very big in my eyes. God so loved, he so loved the world. And it was God. God was contemplating, as it were, if I may say that. How am I going to save the people that I love? And he had to, he had to give up his son. And you see, the sacrifice Jesus came to pay for our sins is a product of love. You might think that okay, it's God after all; He can do it. It's not that. Do you know the humiliation 
You created human beings and you subjected yourself to human beings treating you anyhow. If you were God, can you do that? And supposing you created some robots in the age of artificial artificial um, intelligence, and you can control. In fact, you can press a button, and all those robots will just melt. And then you leave yourself at the mercy of those robots. In that sense, I'm just trying to create a picture for us of what Jesus passed through to die for your sin and my sin. So when the Bible says God so loved the world, it's a great love. It's a love I must not take for granted. It's love that I must not make, I must not think is 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 cheap. You see, God's love for us was expensive. It wasn't cheap. It may be free, but it's not cheap. Again and again, we think things that are free are cheap. We always equate freebies to cheap to, to, to it not being expensive. But for spiritual things, it's not the case. Salvation might be free, but it's not cheap. The reason why it's not cheap is because when you ignore salvation, the penalty is so expensive. The consequence of not accepting the love of God is so expensive. That's the issue. That's why we must not toil with our salvation. Now look at the next part of that instruction. It was as if God was trying to show us something there. He said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Then semicolon, abide in my love. Now let's help. Let's ask the um, students among us who are learning English and they are know the background. What does semicolon mean in a statement? Yes, Jethro. Uh, in English, semicolon yes. is to expand on something, to go into more detail, which is still a contrast in size. Yes. Thank you very much. Did you hear that? It helps you to expound on a statement. So that statement has not finished, actually. It won't, semicolon comes in to expound on it. So, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Semicolon, abide in my love. The consequence of God loving you, of Jesus loving you, that consequence or should I say the responsibility for us to embrace that love is to abide in his love. And it, it is so striking as I read it again that God is saying, God is not saying there that as my father as my father loved me, I also have loved you. God is not saying I will I will forever in my love. That is God. God will live, will love you. The problem is, is telling you abide. It is you that has to abide in the boundary of God's love. As for God, God is love. That is his nature. 
That is who he is. If somebody by nature does some things, you don't need to remind that person to do it because that is what that person does. Default, by default, he does it. But when God is now telling you, abide in my love, that means there is the tendency for you and me to leave God's love, to leave the body of God's love and go off. Look at the story of the prodigal son. Just look at that story. The prodigal son got up one day and told his father, Dad, I need you to give me my own portion of the inheritance. I need to go and settle down. I'm now a big boy. I can stand for myself. I can look after myself. I need to go and sort my life out. I cannot be tied to your apron again. Dad, just give me my own portion. I'm off. He left the boundary of his father's love and went off. Excuse me, did the father stop loving him as a son? No. You see, that's the, our own story with the Lord. That as for God, he will continue to love us. The problem is, will I have it in his love? That's the issue. Because you see, you cannot really appreciate God's love if you do not abide within that love. That's why salvation is whosoever believes in him. Believing in Jesus is the first step in abiding in God's love. And it's so important. That instruction is very clear. I need to abide in God's love. And the next verse explains how to abide in God's love. Look at it first then. If you keep, if, condition, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There's a condition there. That is the explanation in abiding in God's love. Keeping God's commandments. Being particular, and we've talked about it before, just to remind us, being particular, being deliberate in our obedience, being timely with our obedience in our relationship with Jesus. We are not um, procrastinating. You are not defying your obedience. You are taking your obedience as an urgent matter for your heart so that you keep abiding in God's love. Because it's very painful to God when with all he's, he has done for us by giving up his son for us we now don't remain in that love we must not take the salvation of our souls for God that's why it's a responsibility for us to keep obeying keep watching our obedience with the Lord Look at it. He said, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see the reason why Jesus is justified? He is qualified to tell you about abiding in his love. 
You see the reason? Because he himself is subjecting his own life to that instruction. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So for Jesus, he wasn't giving us and challenging our hearts to obey when he himself has not taken the first step. You now know why Jesus is so he is so effective. We don't have an option but to follow him. Because he is already doing what he's telling you and me to do. This is safe. Abide in his love. Just as I, as you see me now, I am also abiding in my father's love. I am also being careful. I keep his own, my father's commandments. So I can tell you, oh heartedly, I can share with you the life I'm also living, that you too should obey my commandments and abide in his love. I'm praying that this will be our experience because all Jesus is trying to achieve with our lives is the same way I'm relating with my Heavenly Father. I want you to relate that same way as well. Jesus is like, you know, he's the firstborn. Spiritual firstborn for us. It's like the senior brother who has experienced life with God and he's saying, you are are the young ones. They are my junior brothers and junior sisters. Come along. You know, if we looked at God, eh? I don't know how you how you see it in a family. Do you notice that the junior ones, eh? They develop faster. I don't know if you've noticed it. Do you notice that they they develop far faster? than the senior, maybe the, the second born or the third born usually develops quicker. There are some things, I have noticed it in my own little experience. Not just with children, but even when I look at other families. Not just with my own children, other families as well. You notice that the junior ones, because they have senior ones of the same age around them, they tend to want to do things the senior ones are doing. I've noticed it. You know, maybe I'm just, this is just my own thinking. I've, I've not said I've read it in sleep. So, so supposing there was no Jesus, how would you relate with God? That's the question I've been asking. How would you relate with God? You know, but Jesus came to make that relationship with God very clear to you and me. So that you know that, ah, of a surety, this is, this is how I'm to deal and relate with, Jesus, with God. So the Bible is saying, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and by His love, and I'm praying that God will help us, that this relationship will be mirrored as well in our lives. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, let's sit down. Let's concentrate on this verse for a bit, please. Look at the word of God. Jesus has spoken these things to us, so that your joy, so that his joy, Jesus' own joy, will remain. 
Now, the question, in the midst of, you see, the pandemic has created a lot of environments for us. And we are seeing it here. But I want us to be encouraged. Jesus' instructions to us, look at the purpose, is so that his joy, Jesus' Jesus's pleasure, what makes him, what gives him pleasure, we remain in you. And the question is, do you have Jesus' joy? When Jesus is telling us these things, he's aiming for one thing in your life as well. And he's aiming that you will carry his joy. You will carry what makes Jesus happy. You know, because of the pandemic and the lockdown as it were, I'm not trying to belittle this, but it's so crucial. What makes what what makes a man or a woman happy has been suffocated to some extent. The reason why suicide rate has increased now is because of this kind of thing. You know, before, if I know somebody, she was telling me in my place of work, she goes for, um, what do they call it? She calls it retail therapy. When she just feels down, she carries her credit card. Ah, she just goes to the shops. Does some window shopping first. And then she starts swiping. Now, those shops are not open. So retail therapy cannot take place. You know what I mean by retail therapy? Yes, because swiping her credit card gives her some element of joy. She just goes, tss, tss, tss. you know, these days it's stressful to even do. Tss. You can just do, Toh. you know, that sound, Toh. <laughs> contactless. Just, Toh. sorry, that's the way I, 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 I can reproduce that sound in my head. Contactless card. Toh. It doesn't have any other sound. Have you noticed? I noticed that it doesn't. Maybe there's another one. Either talk or ping is the same thing. Money has gone from the card. But people, some people, that is their joy, buying things. So I was asking her, I said, supposing you don't have money. I said, that's why I spent the credit card. <laughs> you know, but what God is using to challenge our hearts is when you receive the word of God and you obey it, you are creating God's joy, Christ's joy in your heart. At the end of the day, it might not be pleasant at first, but at the end of the day, this is what Jesus wants to achieve in you, that his joy will remain in you and in me. And not that it will remain, he said that your joy, look at it, it's, it's wonderful and I thank God for Jesus. Look at it. He said, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Do you see two things there? Jesus' joy and then your and then your own joy. You can't have real joy when you have not received Jesus' joy. I pray you understand. Am I communicating? You see, you cannot have true joy being full when the 
the Lord's joy is not in your heart. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It is the Lord's joy that creates your own joy. And that is what is full. Your own natural joy that is devoid of Christ's joy can never be full. It can never. That's why there is no satisfaction anywhere else except in Jesus. That's why we don't have option, honestly. I'm just talking candidly here. The joy of the Lord produces so much joy for you that it becomes full. It becomes satisfying. It creates another level of peace that you even you cannot explain. And I'm praying that this will be our experience. I'm praying that lockdown will not lock us out of God's abiding love for you and for me. That's the prayer. George, if you read in the um, Amplified uh, Version about the joy, it is like it is expounded. Yes. Thank you very much. So that's verse 11. 11, yeah. So it says, I have told you these things, that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure, oh wonder, and complete and overflowing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ah, that's, that's wonderful. It's not just full, it will be complete, it will just be overflowing. I'm praying that this will be our experience. And you know, you look at what Jesus is saying. You notice in that verse, he's not tying his joy to anything physical. Do you see there? This joy Jesus is explaining, he wants us to embrace. It's not tied to any physical. It's not tied to more money in your bank account. It's not tied to more, more, um, more physical materials. It's not. Because true joy, you see, that type of physical joy that is tied to physical things is the one we all look for. But the true joy that is in Christ is actually nourishing. It's actually fulfilling. And this is the word that overflows. So that even if there is money in your pocket or there is no money in your pocket, overflowing and I'm praying that we will aim at this, this is what Jesus wants to create in us but it doesn't just come by wishful thinking he's saying those things he told us in verse 9 and 10 so that his joy might be in us and this is this is glorious this is wonderful and now you know like I, I prayed earlier on, let God in his mercy help us to experience what he's telling us here. Let's arise in obedience to just enter the mood of mind to embrace his word. Allow it to meet with faith in our hearts so that we can experience this. Now, look at verse 
close. Another instruction. This is my commandment. That you love one another. As I have loved you. Do you see another, another correlation here? What is the basis on us loving one another with Christ's love? It's because Christ has loved us first. It's the basis. Actually, you know, the basis is not that I have to love you because you gave me something. You understand? You know, as, as we read this, we are not seeing any physical thing attached to what God is telling us. Is God is not God? The, Jesus is saying, "This is my commandment that you should love one another." Why? Because I have loved you. So, because I have already received Christ's love, what is the basis of me loving the next person? What is the basis for me loving with Christ's love, the brethren? It's because Christ has loved me first. Because I have received Christ's love, I automatically become a debtor. I automatically become a debtor. The Bible says, Oh no man anything except love. You automatically become a debtor. And it is not good that you don't pay your debt. It's not the right. It's not right at all. That you you owe money, and you you know you owe money, but you are not paying it. That's the issue of love. May God grant us understanding. And Jesus expanded on that love. He expanded on it in verse thirteen. You know, he had told us that we should love one another because he said, as I have loved you, as Jesus has loved you. You see, and you know, as I was reading this, I kept just kept praying for myself again. I said, Lord, ah, this is, this is serious. That, you know, you can't look at the explanation Jesus was giving here in verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this. Than to, lay, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, Jesus set his the love he gave us, the love he showed us on the cross. Jesus set it at the bar, and he's saying, "Go and love other brethren. Go and love other people like I have loved you." But can you actually ever love the way Jesus loved? Honestly. So, you see, anytime I'm thinking I have loved enough, Jesus will show me the love he has, he has given me. And I'm saying, I'm just saying, actually, <laughs> you have not done anything yet. <laughs> you think you have arrived when it comes to love. Sorry. As I have loved you. He said, no greater. Greater love has no one than this. Wow. So, when they are saying, um, this person has misbehaved, forgive him. Let this scripture come to your heart. No greater love than this. That 
and for a man to lay his life for his friends. If Jesus has laid his life for me and he has forgiven me, I need to pray. If I'm finding it difficult to forgive, I need to pray very well and go and cry before God and say, Lord, help my heart because I don't have an option. Yeah. I don't have an option but to forgive. I don't have an option but to let go. You need to help my heart. Because this bar, this greater love, it is always before your face. That is the basis on which you are you are following Jesus. That's the basis. It's based on this love. Without this love being shared on us, oh, where will you be? That's the question. Without this great love, where I, I, I mean, I have no. There is no existence as it were. Without this great love. So this greater love Jesus is talking about is the is the standard. And I cannot. It's just like you remember that parable of a man who owed and um, is a a, a a master um a large amount of money. Remember that parable? And they forgive him. And then I think I, one of the sensations puts in contemporary terms. Somebody owed 500,000 pounds. And they let go, they let him go. And said, don't worry, we, 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 we have forgiven you of your debt. So let go the 500,000, no problem. And he goes out, and somebody owes him 10 pounds. And then he insists that that person was paying his 10 pounds. He has not appreciated the standard of love he has just experienced. The, the amount of forgiveness he has just experienced, he has not appreciated it. And you see, the prayer for us is, Oh God, may I always keep appreciating your love for me. May I never belittle it. May I never look at it as small. It is a great love. And you see, I don't know if maybe we should read that scripture. I think it's in second Second Corinthians. I want to show you what that love of Christ can do. Second Corinthians chapter five. We'll come back to John fifteen. Hmm. Look at it. Second Corinthians five verse fourteen. It says, For the love of Christ compels us because we thus judge, or we judge thus, that if one died for, then all died. Let's look at that scripture from another translation. Um, verse 14, I'm reading it from Amplified. It says, For the love of Christ controls urges and impels us. You see what Christ's love does? Christ's love, when you actually appreciate it, it constrains you. It compels you. It regulates your behavior. It brings you into God's mind. Christ's love, when you appreciate it. 
Christ's love is strong. It's strong enough to compel you. And I'm, we are just, it's good to pray about this. Now, Lord, help me to respond and keep responding to your love. It's, the Bible says, it says it, the love of God compels us. You know, it is the same love that makes people serve God selflessly. Is the same love? Is the same love that should make you serve God willingly? You are not worried whether people see you or not. It is the is the love of Christ that is compelling you. You are not bothered if they recognize you or not. That's not the issue. You just want to do it because the love of God is what's compelling you. The love of Christ is compelling you. You, you want to sacrifice your time, your money, your resources because the love of Christ compels. And I'm praying that this will be a focus for us all the time. Let's go back to John 15. Now, look at verse 14. And it's looking like maybe this where we will tabernacle as it were. Verse 14. Maybe I'll look at verse 15 as well. It says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have my father, I have made known to you. Now, let's look at verse 14 very closely. This is a great declaration. And you see, as I read it, it was as if God was telling me. Talking directly to my heart. And I don't want us to take it for granted. It looks very simple to say, you are my friend. But this is God's de declaration. And he's saying that on the condition. He says, if you do whatever, I command you. And the question is, what has God commanded you to do? Why is what God has commanded you to do looking so difficult? And you are not ready to give that up so that you can be God's friend. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And it's looking like, I can, you know, when you read that scripture, it looks very heavy, is it not? Whatever I command you. And we are thinking, you get scared when you hear whatever. Whatever God, Jesus tells you. He's looking as if he can tell you something great that will be so difficult to be. That's not Jesus. Anytime you come across God's word and he's poking your heart and he's pushing you and he's challenging your heart, ideally, that word, when you obey it, is not meant to be grievous. At times, it looks like that. But our Jesus, if you look at Matthew chapter 11, is a popular scripture. Let's remind ourselves of it. Matthew 11. We are going to read from verse 28 and 20. 
let's read verse 28. I'm tempted. <laughs> no, let's read verse 29. So I'll be of time. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my body is light. I'm praying that we'll be reassured. I'm praying that God will reassure your heart, will reassure my heart. That whatever he commands you is not meant to break you. It's not meant to kill you. In the real sense of the word, this Jesus talking. My yoke is and my body is light. I want to believe that. I don't want to look at the difficulty in the obedience. I want to believe what he has said. My yoke is easy and my body is light. It's the devil that gives very wicked, heavy, crushing bodies. If we decide to obey the enemy, <coughs> it is from one bondage to the other. But for Jesus, it's glorious. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. Let's believe God. So the question is, what has God commanded you personally to do? And he's looking as if it's so difficult to be. Can you embrace verse 30? Can you believe it? Can you accept it wholeheartedly? Can you allow verse 30 mixed with faith in your heart so that you can obey God? I'm praying God will help us. I'm praying that we will we will not forgo this great relationship of being a friend of Jesus. Just because you are thinking that ah, this thing is telling me to do is too is too heavy, I can't do it. Let's value our relationship with Jesus. Let's just accept it and say, Lord, I don't want to let go of this relationship. Help me. Whatever it will cost me, let me obey you. Whatever it will cost me. I'm ready to bear that cost because I cannot let go of this relationship I have with you. You are my friends. If you obey, receive and obey whatever I command you. And friendship with God. Oh, beloved brethren, I don't know. This not, that's not the topic for today. But I just want to say it's a great thing to have Jesus as your friend. It's a great thing. You can't, we can't, do you know words can't explain it? Words can't explain it. That you can enter a relationship with the, with the king of the universe, the almighty God, and the great God who will say, I am your friend. Is it not glorious? Ordinary you. Ordinary you. That the Bible says all flesh is grass. Have you read that scripture before? All 
flesh is grass, is grass, and the glory of man like the flower in the field. All flesh, human beings, all their glory put together is like the flower in the field. The flower in the field, if you go to the fields now, go and check how many flowers you see in the field. Winter has frozen all of them out. No flowers. The whole place is dry. That is the glory of man. Have you not seen? Oh, are you not seeing the glory of man in the midst of this COVID? See the glory of man. Permit me to use the example of what's going on in America. You know, when I saw those scenes on TV of those guys um, um, going into the Capitol Hill and rioting and, you know, <laughs> it reminded me of my And I thought, ah, ah, it is ever true again. Human beings are the same all over the world. They're the same. You know, it's very interesting. Anyway, we are not discussing Trump now. Let's leave that matter. <laughs> so, God will help us. That we will seek to be God's friend. We will just, that will be your, your aim as you relate with Jesus. That you will just, you will make it a priority for your life. To see that you are God's friend. Anything that will come between you and your master, and you and your lord, you and your friend, you, you want to deal with it, you want to arrest it, you want to stop it from straining your relationship with Jesus. And this, this might be very personal things. This might be very secretive things. But the Lord is saying, if you obey his commandment, so you know God's command, please, as God will help you, set your heart again. Ask for grace is available. That's why he's a friend. Get to help. A friend doesn't see you burdened and leaves you alone. A friend is concerned about your the burdens you carry as well. A friend is interested and is saying, How can I help? That's Jesus. Jesus is knocking the door of your heart and he's saying, How can I help you deal with this? Allow me. Allow me. You know, I'm I'm praying that the Lord will, will, will encourage our hearts. Let me go back to John chapter 15. And I think um I'll just we'll just look at verse 15 and then we'll stop. It says, no longer, and Jesus is trying to explain here that treasured relationship between friends look at it it says no longer do i call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things that i heard from my father i have made known to you I don't know how you see it. If I was Jesus, maybe I'll be more into. I can't just reveal everything. You know, I don't know how you see it. Can you just reveal you have a treasured relationship with God? Eh? 
and God tells you things, and then you go and reveal everything to other friends. You know, in my head, as I thought on that scripture, I was just looking at how God is so magnanimous, how God is so is so gracious. Everything that Jesus is communing with the Father, those secret things, is revealing to his disciples. Honestly, that is a privilege. That's a glorious privilege. I must not just take it for granted. He says, you are my friends. He says, no longer do I call you servants. A servant still doesn't know everything. He just sees some things. But a friend knows the very secrets. He knows. He knows the mind of the other friend. You know, I think we've talked about this before. There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about relationship with friends. I think it says that um, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Let me quote it properly. Just bear with me. Let me look for that scripture. We are talking about friendship. Just bear with me. Yes. In Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13 verse 20. Let me open it and we'll read it together. Proverbs 13 verse 20. with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed let's look at the first part of that verse he who works with wise men will be wise permit me to read that scripture this way he who works with Jesus will be like Jesus friends think alike friends they, their attitude to life is the same. I mean, science has proved this. This is one of the researches, research work that science have, has produced. And it looks as if they are producing a new thing. No, the Bible has said it all. I think we've said it before. I think I've shared it before. They got friends and they were looking at their brain waves. I think they call it EEG. EEG waves, that's what they call it. They compare their brain waves, friends, and they found that the brain waves for friends, a pair of friends, or a group of friends, is the same pattern. Excuse me, if Jesus is your friend, how will you not end up looking like him? How will you not end up thinking like him? How will you not end up behaving like him? That's the question. That's why I need to invest in this friendship. That's why I need to prioritize this friendship. So that the mind that was in Christ, it can also be in me. 
you know, Paul was writing in Philippians chapter 2. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. How does that come about? It comes about by investing in your friendship relationship with Jesus. You insist that you will seek to follow him so that this mind can also be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I pray God will help us. I pray that we will invest and keep investing in this relationship. We will give our time to it. Even if it needs resources, please pour resources into this friendship. It is okay. It is not a lost investment. Honestly, it's an investment. This type of investment in this relationship with Jesus is an investment that keeps bringing forth the dividend now in this world and in eternity. It doesn't stop. You keep getting treasures from this relationship that doesn't stop. May God help us. I think we should pray about this point. It's so crucial. I'll stop here. Amen. Praise the Lord for uh, the word of God. And actually, before we go to a prayer, let me just share you something. And it is a uh, true testimony of, uh, uh, you know, mother and son. They're both Christian. And obviously, this mother, uh, she lost uh, her son. Um, he got uh, killed by uh, a youth as well. So what happened? So uh, this youth... Um, he went obviously to the prison because of uh, the murder that uh, he committed. So, you know, this mother, obviously, it is uh, her only son, and it hurts. She was grieving, and uh, obviously, she was praying, and then she went to the prison and uh, met the murderer of uh, her son. And what was so shocking is uh, she said, I forgive you. And I said, if if that will be me, it will be so hard, isn't it? But what we learn in 1511 is Christ's love compels us, urges us. Every day she's been visiting this, uh, you know, murderer and uh, share the word of God. And you know what? When this youth um, has completed the sentence and then uh, she adopted him to be her son. So what love is that? She won't be able to do that without the love of Christ in her heart. Because, yes, it is so hard, like uh, Jesus said, love your enemy. But just imagine loving the murderer of your son. It is so hard. But it is because of Christ's love in her, so she was able to do that. And this changed the, uh, the murderer's life. So... That's just what um, I can share. And uh, before we go to our prayers, so uh, let me just get your prayer request, dear brethren. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 